three, two, one. Pencil. I don't know why pencil. I think I've said that before too. Maybe. I try not to do repeats, but I think I think that one was unavoidable. I don't know why I said cloud. Usually it's like a there's some visual or like my brain is just like let's focus on this thing. This was just cloud. No, oh, well. This is good. We're that means we're doing this correctly. Yes. <laughs> we're randomizing it. When we do these, I do have to put at least a little conscious thought into it. Um, because otherwise my only answer would ever be, uh, that, you know what? That's fair. Cause you know, I, I don't get to words unless I make myself get to words. I try to not let myself think of anything mm-hmm. and just see what pops up first and let the ADD take over. But sometimes it's always pineapple and I have to come <laughs> up with a different word. Yeah. Fair. I, uh, <laughs> I think very visually and very like how I feel about things. And those don't always translate into a concise word that I can just spit out. So that's follow fair. a train of thought for a minute. <laughs> Cloud came out of nowhere. I have nothing for that one. So I've decided this coffee is making me angry. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird turn of events. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking a lot about coffee today. So that's okay. I'm I'm actually really excited. <laughs> okay. Well, first. Chai Hi there. there. Welcome to Cream and Sugar. Hey, Julia. Hey, Allie. I heard this story. Do you want to hear it? Obviously. It was just it's really short. It was just like something that happened in a coffee shop that some guy was telling me about. He said one of the customers got a cup of coffee and then he said to the barista, "This coffee tastes like mud." And the barista said, sorry, it's not my fault. It was ground a few minutes ago. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I am leaving this tab open. It's 150 hilarious coffee puns from coffee levels. And it has some quality puns in there. That's really funny. <laughs> the other option was uh, a coffee shop barista got fired because he kept showing up in a T-shirt. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> I was worried that that was going to be the one because I accidentally saw the notes and I was like, oh no, I don't want to ruin the joke. Nope, nope. I went with the other one. Actually, I asked you one or two and then you said one and that was the t-shirt one and then I decided last minute I like the other one better. So, Well, there you go. We did the coin toss. Yep. You wanted to hear the correct answer and I didn't give it to you. I wasn't sure what the correct answer was until you gave me the wrong one. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, we are going to do something a little different today, and we are going to talk about how to open a coffee shop, roughly. Mm, I'm so excited. Yee. But first, we need some intro music. All right, that was the intro music. And here we go. All right. And it sure was great, wasn't it? We totally didn't just sit here in silence for three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) You go, Louis Zong. No, wait, is that the right person? No, it's Eddie Lang. Louis Zong. (laughs) Louis Zong's the ghost guy. (laughs) We can't use his music. uh, It's not in the public domain. No, I wish. Mm -hmm. Uh, His music's so nice, though. Um, before we get into our episode, how you brewing? Um, <laughs> hold on. I had an answer for this. Oh, okay. 
I'm brewing all right. I uh, I slept for like ten and a half hours. Nice. Completely unrelated to about what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> uh, so after we recorded yesterday, we went to PetSmart and we got the boys a new cat tower. Uh huh. It's gigantic. <laughs> good, good. It's like a four to five level cat tower, completely Ooh. covered in carpet, uh-huh. except for this beautiful piece of wood. Um, it matches our furniture. Mm-hmm. And Gummy really likes it because it has little dangly toys on it. Ooh, nice. And Toulouse is a little indifferent because he wants to get up high but doesn't know how to get down. Mm. He'll learn. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. We have D&D later today, but we're doing uh, just a one-shot campaign, which means, like, we're going to play this one storyline, and then we're never going to play it again. (laughs) So I get to... (sighs) Did he just jump up there? (laughs) All I see is Julia's talking, and I see the swish of a cattail, and then Julia looks up and to the right, and there's a cat up where he's not supposed to be. Ah, silly cat. He's in trouble. And he does not look like he cares. Hi. Hi. Funny how I was talking about a cat tower and he immediately jumps to the highest place in my room. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, right, right, right. The D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to roll a new character today and I've decided to roll a gnome wizard who is super intelligent. Ooh, cool. Yeah. I went, I want to try a spellcaster because mm-hmm. I'm not good at spellcasting characters, but I'm, I want it to be funny. Mm-hmm. So it's a gnome. Nice. Do you, yeah. um, does your group use spell slots and stuff or do you just get to like have fun with it? No, we use spell slots, unfortunately, Gross. which is part of the reason I didn't want to be a spellcaster. Yeah. Because I suck at doing that. Yeah. That's like putting accounting into D and D. You gotta keep track of what you're spending. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm here for. Our 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 DM did give us a bag of holding for the party to use, so I'm very oh, excited about that. Good. Uh, but other than that, I'm brewing all right. Nice. How are you brewing? I'm brewing pretty good. I went to a interactive play last night. Mm. that which hence why i was wearing all the makeup because it was an Mm -hmm. 80s prom i thought you said prom i was Uh a little confused they encouraged the audience to dress up um as if you're going to an 80s prom so i had a very large tulle skirt on um i will not be posting any pictures of it but because it was just (laughs) i ended what we ended up doing was the play lasted an hour and a half and it was a lot of fun like they had a full-on dance floor and they had a cash bar which you wouldn't have at a prom but like they had somebody that played the principal and then they had a couple audience members that like became part of the ongoing thing and you got to vote for the prom king and queen and they had all the whole cast that was running and they were interacting with every table and that's so cool yeah and it was actually at the hotel where we took the picture of us in front of that coffee sign um, because oh. we were there for the wedding. It's at that hotel. Oh, no way. <laughs> so did you win prom queen? No, it was only for cast members so that they could have oh. a, a dramatic interaction, which they did. Fair. What they ended up doing was like the stereotypical preppy people won king and queen. And then the um, the 
they call her character was the spaz, the like nerdy girl that was just super excited and really wanted to be queen was really sad about it. And then the nerdy mm-hmm. guy came out and said, but you're my queen. And they had a whole romantic thing. It was really cute. Oh, yeah. And then everybody was dancing. And the uh, sweet <laughs> the, the guy that was supposed to be the bad boy that he looked like he was straight out of breakfast club came and sat at our table for a second <laughs> with a bag of like oregano. And he's like, hey, do you guys want some? And I was like. He's like, yeah, it's 10 bucks. I said, oh, can I pay you back later? He was like, no. And then, like, okay. Just no. No. <laughs> That's but really yeah. funny. It was a lot of fun. So highly recommend interactive plays if you've never been. And there were lots of opportunities for you to just be like, no, thanks. I'm just here to kind of like vibe and watch. And they weren't like pressuring people. So. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's really kind of them. Mm hmm. So, Given, would you go to one of those interactive plays if you didn't want the potential possibility of being interacted with? Well, we were talking about it later because there were a couple tables that like clearly didn't want to interact. Like one of the things was mm-hmm. um, one of our friends got picked to be like the coach and they were they said that he was retiring. So they like had a card going around for you to sign. And we tried mm-hmm. to hand it to that table and they said, oh, no, we don't want to sign it because they just didn't want to interact. And we were like. Did they know when they were coming to a play that it was interactive? Or did they think they were going to a play and now they're here? <laughs> you know? That's fair. Yeah. Imagine showing up and you're like, all right, it's going to be an 80s play. And you didn't realize that you also had to participate. Right. <laughs> that's, that's rough. <laughs> and like they had um, almost everybody in the room got up to a conga line. And it's in like a little conference room kind of thing that you have at hotels. And they were weaving in mm-hmm. and out of the doors. <laughs> it was really so cool. much fun yeah <laughs> um and then afterwards we went out because there was a local live band that does 80s covers so then we went and watched that until like 11 and then we were tired so we went home but it was a good night that's so much fun i love live music mm-hmm. there was Dude, a bachelor party like so there too fun. that was funny oh nice <laughs> one of them was uh kind of dancing on the pole and i looked at my dad and said i didn't know it was that kind of a venue and he said oh no that's up the street <laughs> so yeah Uh, other than that I'm just ready for summer and I'm tired same I want to be in the sunshine 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 so Uh, yesterday everyone was at the pool and Mm -hmm. I was just kind of sitting there watching them from the balcony and every now and then I'd go check on the cats because they were also enjoying the sun and Mm. I was like man I'm so ready for summer yeah (laughs) (laughs) I um it's supposed to thunderstorm, I think, here today. Let me look. I'm going to look real quick. There's a chance of thunderstorms here, but it's only supposed to be at like 7 or 8 at night. So probably we're getting into rainy season where we get heat storms. Yeah. Ah, uh, it dropped. Yesterday when I looked, it was like a 50% chance of a thunderstorm in the afternoon. And I was really oh. looking forward to like sitting on my back porch listening to thunder and reading. Now it's just mm-hmm. hot. Humid. Yeah. Humidity is 76%. Oh, the humidity. Oh, the humidity. It's okay. It's fine. My air conditioner can take it, maybe. It's new. (laughs) This this might be why the last one died. (laughs) Thanks, it's new. (laughs) Thanks, it's new. (laughs) You can tell, um, because I'm in a condo, you know, my AC units, like, they're all next to each other. And when you look down now, there's two little older ones. And then mine that's, like, shiny and beefy. And it's just like, air conditioner. (laughs) Oh, cool, cool. So. Yes, and so will your house. Yes. Or hot, hot. Mm. Either way. <laughs> Feeling hot, cool, hot. <laughs> hot, cool, hot. 
Um, we got it. <laughs> uh, I think we mentioned on an episode that we recorded yesterday, but that hasn't come out yet, that my notes for this episode are very long. So yes, <laughs> we should get rolling into it. Um, yeah. But before we get into the actual content, your quick fire question of the day. What is your favorite coffee shop that you've ever been to? Okay, well, I've mentioned this coffee shop several times on this <laughs> podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but my favorite coffee shop is one that's in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's called Drift Coffee. And they gave me the best flat white and food that I have ever, ever had. Mm. We'll it was delicious. Yeah. I don't even know the name of the favorite coffee shop that I've been to because it was when we were in, we stopped in Atlanta on our way down to mm-hmm. Florida for spring break. Um, and we were visiting my roommate at the time's family and uh-huh. she wanted to show us her local coffee shop down there. And it was the first like proper coffee shop I'd been to. And it was all these different rooms and the different rooms have different themes and there were couches and some of them had tables. And it was the first time That's I got so like cool. a proper cappuccino and it was just Ooh. like messy and it was so good and yeah that's, mm-hmm. but i have no idea what it was called it was just super cute and it was somewhere in atlanta i have a second favorite coffee shop oh it's local here to where i am but it's mm-hmm. like 20 minutes away mm-hmm. um and i cannot remember the name of it but it's adorable and it's right next to these little suburbs uh-huh. and it's just it's really good coffee oh cool and they have like a fish tank in the middle of it i think it's a coffee bar so they oh. also do alcohol nice yeah that's cool it's really cute there's one locally that you and i have been to that i think we've mentioned rustic roast that that's oh, like my yeah, like, i think we've mentioned that go-to coffee shop if i'm going somewhere it's really cute yeah and they have good coffee too Mm-hmm. it used to be a bank i also really like the one that's uh in market common yes the uh title creek yes yeah that, that one's, one's really nice there's actually another one in Market Common that I haven't tried that's Grand Strand Coffee. Mm. So maybe we'll try that soon. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be yeah. grand. Yes, and Strand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm, yes, Strand. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm. Mm, yes. <laughs> All right. So my mental focus is like filling up like those bars from or the canisters from Monsters, Inc., you know? Uh-huh. Where they filled it with screams and then with laughter. I'm at like 80% now. I was at okay. 75%. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. If I keep stretching, get it'll get there. Ooh, stretch. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, big stretch. stretch. All right. So um, we're going to start with some definitions because there's a lot of different terms that get thrown around for coffee shop-esque mm-hmm. venues. See, that's the 80%. We're missing 20%. We can't talk. Um, okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to go through a couple just to be clear as we go on. And I'm going to try to remember to use these properly, but I'm not going to make any guarantees. Okay. Um, so cafe comes from the French. And typically at a cafe, they serve basic coffee, sometimes other drinks like tea or hot chocolate or something. And they tend to focus more on serving yummy foods like oh sandwiches and salads and that kind of something that you could like go get a brunch or a small lunch kind of setting okay a coffee house serves specialty coffee drinks 
uh, sometimes teas and other beverages, and light snacks. So they're typically set up for like lengthy stays where you're having like a little brownie or a croissant and you're drinking drinks throughout the day and you're there to like work on homework or study or you're there to do like board games or socializing or live events like music. And these are the places where you'll typically see like mismatched furniture and couches and tables, kind of like Central Park. Gotcha. Which is from Friends, if you didn't watch Friends. Oh, I'm about to say, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's, is that, can that be within my honorable mentions for favorite coffee shop? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and then an actual coffee shop is more like a daytime diner um, by definition. So they typically will have like drip coffee. They might have an espresso machine, but it's more somewhere where like you can go get bottomless coffee. Which oh. I learned, Monk's Cafe on Seinfeld is not like just a diner. It technically fits that definition of a coffee shop. Huh. Yeah. I did not watch Seinfeld closely, so I thought it was just like a restaurant. But I can't put any coffee place that I know into any of these categories. Um, I would say Rustic Roast falls under Coffee House. Okay. Because they have all the different furniture. They literally have a bookshelf that has, like, board games and stuff on it. Um, mm -hmm. Tidal Creek also falls under that. They have a whole little kids section in the corner, which was super cute. But um, my issue is that they have really great food. So I don't know if it's made for lengthy stays. I think that's partially, like, they fall closest under Coffee House. Mm -hmm. But they, in they incorporate the food for the, the sense of making more money. You Ooh, know? I think Barnes & Noble Cafe counts as a coffee house. Mm, because they have specialty coffee drinks some teas but mostly light snacks and people just plop themselves there well there is also a coffee bar uh which oh. this definition of coffee bar is more common in europe and like south america but mm -hmm. they tend to have limited seating and focus on espresso and artisan coffee with little to no snackage uh and mostly like quick foot traffic hmm. so i think that might be closer to what like the Starbucks in Barnes and Noble and stuff are because they have the tables, but it's mostly set up for like you're getting a coffee and then you're going to go browse books kind of stuff. That's fair. Yeah. And the only reason I say that's not a coffee house is because they don't do the live events there. Mm. You know? Yeah, that's true. Because if it's like a book signing or something, they might use that space, but that's like that's Barnes and Noble. Right. That's not the coffee house. Sorry, I didn't realize coffee bar was below on the next page. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have mine, like, scrolled perfectly. Though. I thought that was all the definitions. <laughs> no. And, like, like some of these are flexible. And, you know, some places obviously aren't going to sit strictly in one definition or another. But that's mm -hmm. kind of that difference of, like, the different types of venues of a quick grab and go, a sit and just continuously drink coffee, or, like, specialty stuff and live music kind of stuff. Or a right. cafe. Which is just its own little guy. <laughs> um, so I did get some history of coffee shops specifically, if you would like to learn more about that. Of course. And I do think we did briefly touch on the history of coffee shops mm -hmm. when we did Coffee 101. Yes, that was like my first point. Here's a recap of what we talked about in episode one. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> read your notes. <laughs> I know you don't read the notes. So I was like, hey, she's going to mention them. and be like, oh, I know. This is why. Um, <laughs> be like, gotcha. <laughs> we were record one, one of the things we recorded yesterday, and I say this because I don't know what order it's coming out in, but we mentioned looking at the episode one notes. And uh -huh. this is why I had episode one notes open. 
because I wanted right. to make sure that I was consistent. I forgot. <laughs> um, my first thing that I wrote, because I forgot that this is what we called it, uh, if you brew it, they will come. That just oh, that's a happy. solid title. Mm-hmm. We love a good Field of Dreams reference. Yes, we do. And I like that in the first episode, you also said, for anybody that doesn't know, it's a Field of Dreams reference. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear <laughs> just to be clear just we want to make sure you know i hate that yeah. feeling when somebody's clearly making a reference and you're like i have no idea what you're talking about yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> me when our friends talk about like anything <laughs> yeah me me when um our friends in particular start referencing things in D campaigns from other campaigns that i did not play in and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about me when our friends make jojo references that's when we just start talking about <laughs> Hamilton or Steven Universe or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we covered in episode one is that in the 16th century, coffee shops started showing up in Constantinople after um, the origin of coffee, which was that the Ethiopian farmer uh, had a goat that found the go-go juice. <laughs> what a great start. <laughs> So after that, uh, the coffee shops are in uh, Constantinople, not yet Istanbul. Uh, <laughs> and, and then in the following century, the 17th century, um, there was that pope that decided he didn't like coffee. And then he had a cup of coffee. And then he was like, oh, no, OK, coffee's cool. And so once mm-hmm. it got his approval, uh, the Penny University started showing up, which is where like they served the coffee. But it was also where people could go interact and have all these intellectual conversations. And the penny was the cost of the coffee. So, right. Yep. And then in the 19th century, coffee came to the United States in full force and started to rise in popularity again because it had been there pretty much since people had come over and it had been like on and off. But that's where like it came to stay. Mm hmm. And we'll talk about a little bit before that in just a minute. But that was like, that was our episode one recap. So then I learned some additional details. Some of the the earliest coffee shops that were right around the same time and a little bit after the ones in Constantinople were actually Arabian coffee shops or more accurately coffee houses that showed up um, between the Constantinople coffee shops and and the Penny Universities. And they were called Cave Canon. Apologies if I said that wrong. I'm not not my... We're at 80%, guys. 80%. (laughs) Just keep that in mind. (laughs) Um, But they specifically spread through the Muslim world before spreading to the rest of Europe. So I want to make clear that it wasn't like coffee shop in Constantinople and then it jumped over to just like, you know, England and France kind of Europe. It was in the Muslim Mm -hmm. world first. So Good catch. Good catch. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And then... For the rest of the time, I pretty much focused on American coffee houses because that is what we are going to be basing our coffee shop on because that's where we're at. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so in the United States, the first coffee house actually opened all the way back in 1676 in Boston. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't even technically in the United States. It was in right. the Americas. <laughs> well, in our part of the Americas. I don't know about Canada and everybody else, but. Within the colonies. Yes. Um, Typically, at this time, coffee shops sold newspapers and they encouraged conversations and they were places of social leveling, um, which is to say, like, between classes and everything, people could intermingle. But keynote that that was only for white men. So let's not get too excited. (laughs) Well, excuse me if I don't want to (laughs) intermingle. Yeah. 
Um, and there was actually a very famous American institution that still exists today that actually started in a coffee house in New York. And how we know the institution today, one of the names is based on the location. Um, the name of the coffee house was Tontine Coffee House, which is not a clue, it's just extra info. But do okay. you have any guesses on what the institution is? So a famous institution was started in a coffee house mm-hmm. named after the location. Right. But it was in New York. Yes. Hmm. What, what, when you say institution, do you mean like a college? Do you mean like a business? What do you mean by – what's the ba- best de- definition of institution? Um, it is it, – business occurs, but it's not like a business itself. It more facilitates money. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it other than like what it is, and that will clearly give it away. So Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is it the New York Times? Close. It is the New York Stock Exchange, otherwise known as Wall Street. Oh, interesting. Which I say close because it's also the Wall Street Journal. You know, you started saying something about facilitating money. I was like, maybe she's talking about a bank, but I don't Mm -hmm. actually know. So I'm going to stick with my gut. (laughs) Fair. I wanted to say financial, but then that makes it like, you know. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah, so uh, the Tontine Coffee House was on Wall Street. It's no longer there, um, but it is in like old paintings, and that was where the Wall St- or the New York Stock Exchange started. Oh, so yeah. Um, and I mentioned earlier, you know, the 19th century that that's when coffee like really got its boost in the United States. Mm-hmm. But it did have a little bit of a surge right around the time of the Revolution uh, because. Of the Boston Tea Party and just our general spite <laughs> against tea. So we were like, forget tea. We don't need that. We're going to drink coffee now. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Boycott everything. Yes. And then things calm down and tea is still like a part of it, you know, so back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in the nineteenth the early 19th century, coffee houses did die off in popularity, but not completely. And that was because uh, that was around the time when new private clubs were opening. So wealthier patrons were choosing to go to the private clubs instead of to the coffee ho- houses and coffee shops. Oh. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was around this time, though, that American coffee brands started to show up, such as uh, the Folger coffee brand, which his oh. name is James. Uh, he sold coffee to gold miners and then a couple other brands like Maxwell House follow suit. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. So it was like coffee shops kind of died off a little bit, but coffee was starting to become something that like everybody was drinking. Right. Everyone else finally got the memo that coffee's amazing. Yeah. We're doing a big stretch. Ugh. Big stretch. Ugh. And with that. <laughs> that was a great noise. We are at 85%. All right. Um, anywho. Um, then in the 20th century in the United States, coffee houses were reinvigorated by two factors. Uh, the first one was the temperance movement because alcohol wasn't going to be as available. Coffee houses became more popular because they didn't offer alcohol. So it was just still a fun place to go out and hang out and drink some cool stuff. And have other kinds of stimulation. Yeah. If you didn't want to go sneak around at a speakeasy, which not going to lie, would make me anxious at the time. So, Mm mm-hmm. 
Yeah. BRB going to go do something illegal. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the other contributing factor was in the 20th century, there was an increase in immigrants coming to the United States from Italy. So they brought with them espresso drinks and pastries and espresso machines. And they also brought that kind of informal, intimate and slightly edgy atmosphere that encouraged that progressive political conversation with them. So it started to mm -hmm. incorporate that back into coffee houses in the United States. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, there's Italians. A, there's a lot of pictures from like the 1930s through 60s of just like people hanging out in a more like strongly Italian style coffee house. And they're just like mm -hmm. vibing and look like they're hanging out. And it's very 1950s. And I like the aesthetic a lot. Ooh. Yee. And then after World War II, coffee shops started to become associated with music. And so... They became venues for ethnic inspired musicians that were looking to reach new audiences and be in like this intimate setting. And mm -hmm. they were especially popular in the 50s and 60s as an alternative to jazz clubs and poetry bars. But we're going to talk about that more in a mini-sode. So we'll come back yeah. to that. Slash, we talked about that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we know something you don't know. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Why, hello there. This is Allie, your podcast attendant. While we are underway throughout listening to this episode, I am going to be popping in every once in a while to give you a couple of updates. The recording session for this episode uh, was a little rushed, mostly because of moi, uh, poor planning on my part. But uh, basically what it comes down to is that thing that we just talked about, that we said that we knew and you did not yet know, you know. Originally, this episode was going to be one part, and then the mini-sode the following week was going to be our coffee shop playlist mini-sode. Um, clearly, that's not what happened. So, um, you already know, we know, we all know, we're all in the know, and we have been able to listen to, if I do say so myself, a lovely playlist because of the knowing. Um, if you haven't listened to our mini-sode yet... Good news. It was intended for you to listen after this episode. So feel free to just ride out the rest of this episode. Enjoy what we talk about here. And then you can head on over to our mini-sode from last week to see the playlist we made for coffee shops. Um, anyway, let's get back to it. <laughs> um, some sources that I was reading also said that coffee shops experienced another revival in the 90s because of shows like Friends and Seinfeld romanticizing city life and walkability and having that local hangout, you know, the couch at the Central Park where mm -hmm. everybody could just hang out or like Seinfeld constantly sitting at the table talking to his friends, that kind of stuff. I, whenever I watch those kind of shows, I immediately think, you know, maybe downtown wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> Same. Nowadays, coffee houses, and especially like locally owned ones, will frequently have customized or customizable drinks, live music, and even some other events like book clubs, game nights, and trivia. Um, and I learned from Toast, who is a, they offer a POS system specifically for restaurants, and they were explaining that coffee shops represent the fastest growing segment of the food industry with a 7% growth rate. And wow. they estimate that coffee, the coffee shop market will be uh, projected to hit $237.6 by two, uh, 2025. I hope so. They're a really cool place to go. Yeah. So now's the time. No, he just wants snuggles. 
All right. So with all that history in mind, would you like to talk about how we could potentially go about opening a coffee shop? Absolutely. All right. Let me start by saying this is in no way legal accounting or otherwise professional advice, which this is what I found from searching the Internet. And almost all the sources I were I read also had this disclaimer on it. So please okay. don't yell at me. I'm just I'm just <laughs> providing information, but it is not professional advice. Okay, I've never done this. We're just learning. Hey, I followed your instructions and my coffee shop failed. What the bean? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what the grounds are for like if you could do if you could try <laughs> to open grounds. a coffee <laughs> the ground <laughs> if you could try to open a coffee shop and then if you file bankruptcy if you could like sue somebody for that. I don't know, but for liability reasons, we this is not advice. These are yeah. theoretical game things. Yeah, this isn't advice. This is conversation between two people that might eventually open a coffee shop, and we're just we're just thinking through it, you know? We're just putzing around with the idea. Yeah, and also, don't take our ideas. Let us have fun, <laughs> and don't steal yeah. our stuff, please. Yeah. I don't steal your stuff. Don't steal my stuff. You'll make Toulouse sad. He's being such a baby right now. He is. He said, Mom, love me. What's up, buddy? He's so cute. Um, okay, so I have created an outline of essentially an almost step-by-step -step guide because, you know, different sources put different steps in different places mm -hmm. of how to go about setting up a coffee shop. Okay. So, and also, even if you follow this step-by-step -step guide or anybody's step-by-step guide, for most of those, you don't have to do the steps in that order. You can do, like, multiple steps at a time. It's more right. of a here's all the bases you want to make sure you cover kind of thing. Uh, we'll just jump right into the steps. Step one, conduct research, which we're not going to do uh, because we're just going to do it like we we're just going to open a coffee shop. But <laughs> I did find some interesting things on the types of things, the things about things that you should consider. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, firstly, is there a need in your area for a coffee shop? Yes, because I need it. Yeah. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Uh, can you compete with other local and franchise coffee shops? Uh, maybe. Sure. In our world, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, but speaking of which, which type of coffee shop do you want to open? And I don't mean all the vocab that we talked about earlier. I mean, do you want to start from scratch? Do you want to open a franchise? Uh, which, fun fact, Starbucks is not a franchise setup, but Dunkin' is. Okay. Um, or do you want to buy an existing local coffee shop and revamp it? Like, you would take their name and just, like, redo the menu and stuff? Well, like, so here, Rustic Roast, for example, that building was originally a bank, mm -hmm. and then it turned into Coffee Nerd, which was a nerd-themed coffee shop, but it right. wasn't, I don't think it was successful enough, so Rustic Roast ended up buying the building, and I don't know, like, they may have bought the equipment, they may have bought all the inventory, mm -hmm. or they may have just bought, the, like, the lease out or what, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do acquisitions and whatnot. Right. Um, but if you want to start with, like, somewhere that's already a coffee shop and already established, or if you want to say that's a cool building and you want to completely start from scratch. Ooh, I don't know. Um, I mean, both of those seem pretty, like, I'd be okay with either of those options. I don't want to do a franchise. I'd rather it be, mm -hmm. you know, like, our own thing. Yeah. Same. But it'd be super easy to be like, hey, your business isn't doing well. Let's let's take it. We'll hire you. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take the business. 
Yeah, and that's something we'll talk more about like staff and stuff later. But that's another benefit of if you're buying out a coffee shop is that you could potentially just keep the staff that was there if they're, you know, the right fit for your your yeah. vibe, your culture and their experience and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, what? for podcast purposes, let's say we're starting from scratch. OK, cool. We can do that. OK. All right. Um, so some other research to look into is how much does it cost to own a business in your area, which we'll get into more details in that for that in a minute. Um, and are there more franchises or independent coffee shops in your area? Because it may be easier to compete with franchises because you can put your own spin and stuff on a local business. But if there's already mm-hmm. a lot of local independent stores, you may have to rethink like your location or something unique about your coffee shop that's going to make you stand out. Right. And one of the biggest things I saw in almost every source I looked at is you don't have to do this on your own. Go talk to other business owners, like networking for the sake of networking, but also Mm -hmm. like go ask other business owners about general running a business in your area or the demographics that they've seen or the kind of foot traffic or car traffic or like really specific stuff like who's the best person to talk to for permitting in the office mm-hmm. at your local area or that kind of stuff. So. Oh, that's really smart. See, I was thinking yeah. like you go and talk to the other coffee shops and I'm like, mm, maybe that's not a great idea. But you mean like just businesses in general? Yeah, like you could um, like say next door is a haberdashery and you can ask them about the foot, tra- foot traffic that goes past. Yeah. Or okay. you go to a local like Chamber of Commerce event and... um We'll get more into it later, but you meet somebody that does renovations or somebody that does plumbing and the building that you're going to be moving into has problems. And now you have a connection of somebody local that you could ask to help with your issues. Ooh, that's smart. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff. Or, you know, if there's a restaurant, for example, if you go to local farmer's market, you can find a bean roaster that you want to use locally. And we'll loop back around to this, too. Okay. Or if you go to the farmer's market and you run into Dad and April, Rick and April. He's not Dad to everybody. Rick and April. <laughs> <laughs> running their sugar moss stand and you decide you want to have cakes and confections, but you don't want to have to bake everything. Right. So they can just fill up a case for you. That kind of stuff. That's brilliant. It'd be the like the way that Barnes & Noble partners with Cake Factory or Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, but on a local scale. Right. Sorry, yeah. I don't have a lot of local things to compare to. So this is all I've got. That's <laughs> <laughs> understandable. It is the same thing. I mean, that's how you get to that. It's just on a grander scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go talk to other people that have experience in your area. And don't be shy. Turn on, turn on the charisma. Turn on the charisma. <laughs> um, and once you kind of get this idea of like what you're getting into, then it's pretty good, at least early on somewhere in your business growing and creating process to design a business plan mm-hmm. and i mean like all all the businessy side of things so you don't have to have everything ironed out all this early but you might want to think through company structure uh, market analysis for pricing want to think through the finances of like budgets that you want to keep um want to think through things like your values and your company culture that you want to promote so It could be that you want it to be very hands-on, you want to be the person that's running it, or maybe you want to invest in this business and then you want to step off and just let it run and just be like an owner that's around, you know? Right. Um, As far as finances, uh, a lot of the sources kind of had the consensus that you should have your budget planned out roughly like this. It should be your rent or your mortgage is going to be about 15%. Your inventory 
which includes your food and your plates. Like if you're using disposable plates, like everything that you're going to have to constantly restock, Mm -hmm. that should be about 40% of your expenses in your budget. Your payroll expenses is going to be about 30%, which we'll talk more detail about that later. And then you're going to have 15% for everything else. So that's going to be fees and permits, um, your general business needs, training people, repaying any loans that you might take out for your early finances, mm-hmm. um, paying taxes, getting business insurance, and your profit. All of that's what you would call overhead. Oh, okay. So that's like roughly the budget you want to shoot for. Obviously, like as you're going, it's not going to be perfect. But in this early stage, especially like the rent and mortgage and the inventory and the payroll expenses are going to give you an idea of like how many people you want to hire, Mm -hmm. whether the location that you think is ideal is going to actually fit into your budget this early or if you're going to want to find something that's a little bit more in your range, you know. Right. So you don't get into this, start a lease or buy a place and then you get overwhelmed. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Because it can be really exciting where you're like, oh, my gosh, this place is perfect and I'm going to be here. And then you're like, eh, it's $5,000 a month. So. Right. Um. So when creating this budget, is this something that this is you would go to the bank and say, this is what I want my loan to include? Or is this like some of it out of pocket, most of it out of pocket? We are actually going to get to that step in a minute. Okay. That's going to be finding your funding. This okay. is like from beginning onwards, planning how your company is going to run. I so, gotcha. Yeah. So like when you're looking at it and as you go, th- this is why I said like you kind of end up bouncing around. Um, so you almost want to plan out the ratios that you want to have in your budget and then you keep referring back to it as you do more things. Okay. So like the step we're about to get to is finding your bean source. So depending on what kind of coffee beans you want, you're going to want to make sure the price of your coffee beans matches in with that 40% inventory budget. Right. Because you can't spend all your money on just beans and then have no building to sell the beans in. Or, you know, right. no venue, at least. Right. Um, so it's just kind of like having that that map so that you can keep referring back to it and you don't get lost because it's so many details coming from all directions. Okay. So this is just the, the mind map. How am I going to manage this kind of thing? Right. Yeah. In my world, this is the really cool color-coordinated spreadsheet. <laughs> I can see it, too. <laughs> That's just me. That's not everybody. You're so good with spreadsheets, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and like I said, this is also a great time to decide your core values and what your company is going to be built on. So do you want to be an independent local company that uses as many locally sourced materials as possible? Do you want to be really eco-friendly and try to minimize waste as much as possible or use compost- compostable materials? Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to be a nonprofit or to work closely with specific charities in your area so that... Um, any of the extra money coming in, even if you are profit, like you pay yourself, a certain amount goes to a charity. Right. Um, do you want to be a venue that can support local artists and musicians? So you have like local paintings on your wall or do you want to have a space for events and a certain schedule for that? And do you want to support your employees outside of work? Like, do you want to provide educational support like Starbucks does or flexible schedule? Or do you want to try to set it up so that you can offer lots of PTO, that kind of stuff? Ooh, that's a lot to consider. <laughs> Yeah. And again, you don't have to have it ironed out. Some of those are like really specific things that as you get into it, um, you can be like, okay, this is how I'm going to apply it. But it's a good idea at this point to kind of think through what your core values are and how Mm -hmm. you want to make sure as you're making all these decisions, you're staying consistent with that. Right. Because if you decide you want to be a nonprofit, you still have to make the steps towards you can eventually be sustainable enough to be a nonprofit. 
Right, exactly. It's not just, I'm going to be nonprofit right from the beginning. It's probably like, we are going to be a nonprofit business, but we need to develop the clientele. We need to get ourselves in a rhythm, mm-hmm. like a grace period kind of thing. Yeah. And it okay. could be like, if you were really passionate about animals and uh, preventing animal cruelty and that kind of stuff, it could be that initially you just have your coffee shop and you make time in your schedule for events for adoption events for the Humane Society oh, or... Yeah. You start connecting with local activist groups and you make it so that your coffee shop is somewhere they can come and meet to talk about local legislation for animals and that kind of stuff. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And then as you continue to grow, if you get like extra profits, then you can start financially donating and that kind of stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so all of that is just that step is like, like I said, it's a map to start with, but it's also just like underlying thought process to keep in mind as you're going. Mm hmm. A more uh, directly practical step is our next step. Like I said, finding a bean source. <laughs> source your beans. Source your beans. Um, and I didn't know, like, like I know coffee beans are specific and also like there's a lot of different options, but I didn't know. I didn't think too hard about all of these things until I started researching it, you know? Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest decisions that a lot of the sources I looked at talked about a lot of the research sources, not the bean sources, is that um, <laughs> you can get your beans wholesale from a national or international supplier, or you can work with a Loki, uh, Loki, a Loki oh. business. Loki. Oh, I was thinking like Loki, son of, oh. of Odin. Yeah, <laughs> Laufey son. Um, a local business that roasts coffee beans. Gotcha. I also learned exactly what fair trade means as far as coffee beans because I had seen it, but I didn't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, do you know a lot about it? Not at all. Okay. Um, so fair trade has to do with the relationship between coffee farmers and the companies processing and reselling coffee beans. Like the people actually roasting it. Okay. Um, to become a fair trade company, the coffee roaster has to be audited by one of a few organizations qualified to give the certification. There's Fair Trade America, Fair Trade International, and Fair Trade Certified were the ones I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are quite a few requirements, namely to pay farmers and producers a minimum price. Okay. The whole point of fair trade is because it's really difficult to make a profit off of growing coffee beans. And these measures are there to support coffee bean farmers, one, so that they can have their livelihood, and two, because it also helps stabilize coffee bean production as an international industry. I think we mentioned Starbucks being a fair trade one. I think we did. I think we mentioned fair trades when we talked about how they make an effort to pay their farmers well. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm guessing they at least are making an effort to fall into fair trade if they aren't. Yeah. Which I don't think, from what I've gathered, you don't get to say fair trade unless you meet these requirements. Right. Um. And it additionally, all of these regulations help regulate the price of coffee itself and keep it available to the general population as much as possible. Okay. Because it keeps you from um, either like price gouging or it keeps it so that since the farmers can actually make a living off of this, there are more people that are willing to be coffee farmers. It's not Mm -hmm. like you can't survive. So there's one guy just doing his best and it's really hard to get coffee, you know, (laughs) like um, also. Just to be clear, it costs money for the coffee roaster to get the certification. Oh. So not all companies that are following the regulations actually have the certification. 
but all companies that have the certification are for sure following the regulations. Gotcha. Yeah, because you have to pay the these people to come audit you and to give you the certification, and then you have to continuously meet the requirements, and it takes a lot of money to make that happen. Okay. So smaller roasters, you don't know for sure without the certification, but, you know. And there is also, I learned, a direct trade certification, which is not the same thing. Okay. So direct trade just means that the coffee roaster, the company itself, is setting the regulations and they're auditing internally to make sure they're meeting them. Okay. So on the plus side, this cuts out the middleman third party of the fair trade certifications. But on the downside, they're auditing themselves. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily as trustworthy. But it's also not not trustworthy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, Which I bring this up because I have my Dunkin' Whole Beans that I just bought for our cold brew episode. Mm -hmm. And it does not say fair trade anywhere on that package. Okay. I didn't look any farther than that. Dunkin' might have it like on their website or they might not have it. I don't know. But I was just curious. It's one more thing to look for. Maybe we should do a mini-sode on uh, well-known brands that are fair trade. I would be down for that. I actually just grabbed out of my mailbox today my first uh, package of ground coffee from the Awesome Coffee Club. Ooh! <laughs> um, hi, it's me again, your podcast attendant, Allie. Um, at this point, Julia's smoke alarm went off uh, because of a, a chicken nugget debacle. Also, her smoke alarm's just generally sensitive, so everything's fine. Um but it did start beeping halfway through her excitement about the awesome coffee club. And then we completely forgot to come back to this point afterwards. So uh, awesome coffee club is the coffee company that John and Hank green have started. That's a monthly subscription or they have a couple different options as far as like quantity, that kind of thing. But basically they made a point of ethically sourcing all of their coffee and then profits go to a charity. So if you're interested in that, plus just trying a pretty good coffee, um, I personally recommend the Awesome Coffee Club. It's not a promotion or anything. I just like it and I've had a month to try it since recording this episode initially. Uh, And yeah, I still approve. So anyway, that's what that was all about. Um, And we're going to jump right back into it. Oh, uh, side note as well. I do know that there's a quality difference between the attendant version that I'm recording now and the original recording. Part of the chaos of that day is that we were trying to get better audio. And uh, I think we were a bit too loud. So that will be better next time. Sorry. In the meantime, um, it actually will be better for part two because we still have not recorded that. So. Not to worry. Um, Yeah. Okay. Here we go. All right. Oh, so uh, the last thing to consider when you're sourcing your beans is what flavor profile do we want to offer? Like what flavor do we want our beans to be or like how what like what kind of bean? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which in my notebook when I originally wrote these, I put defer to Julia. Oh, great. Fair enough. Yep. Because <laughs> you are the bean. I'm the bean. Mm-hmm. I would, um, my only contribution, like, as far as our bean source for busy bean, um, is that I would prefer local over, you know, national or international. But uh-huh. that also might have to be a long-term goal because that's more expensive. Right. I would so be super we'll down to have uh, as locally a sourced shop as possible while still mm-hmm. being eco-friendly. 
Yes. I would be down for that. I think, like, food-wise, the focus is local, and material-wise, the focus is as eco-friendly as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Because otherwise, based on our plant uh, dairy alternative episode, we could offer, like, no soy milk whatsoever. <laughs> Not eco-friendly. And remind remind me again why soy milk wasn't eco-friendly? Uh, I think the farms were really destructive. Gotcha. I know almonds were one of the ones that were not super eco-friendly. Yeah. Um, because they require a high amount of water. Um, and they're basically highly contributing to California's drought. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, I th- I'm pretty sure when we talked about the soy milk, because that was like the one downside to soy milk is that the the soybeans are rough on the soil, I think is what it was. So, like, I think they were one of the plants that, like, traditionally, if you're rotating your crops, you, like, use the soybeans and then you bring in a recovery plant to bring it back, you know? And right. You rotate them around. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to mass produce, that's hard to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, local food. Um, <laughs> so, then step four, we've essentially already done, but we can iron out the details, is choose a concept. So, we did our coffee shop... Uh, quiz before and we developed the busy bean but now we get to decide what we want that to look like what we want our target demographic to be mm-hmm. what are people willing to pay for coffee in our area um will we offer food and what kind of food and do we want to have like seating or you know that kind of coffee shop versus coffee house so all of those right. things mm-hmm. well based on you and i's interest i feel like it needs to be at least a shop or a house and not like a bar Mm-hmm. Because we have that, like, expressive side where we want to bring in all these creative elements. And I think that's going to play better with a house or a or a shop. Yeah. And I'm I love live much... music, so I would love for it to be available for, like, entertainment and, and like, local art. And maybe, like, a poetry night. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cute. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm very much down for a coffee house and, like, like tabletop game too because we could be all over that like if we got one of those really nice wooden tables you know oh yeah that'd mm-hmm. be amazing Mm-hmm. and um as far as target demographic i was thinking like gen z to millennial specifically and anybody like basically open to everybody but focus on like the gen z millennial like cottage core and like all those kind of aesthetics that you see online or mm-hmm. and or a large uh, retired population of like people that would want to just come hang out for the day, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also want it to be like a judgment free zone where it's like a super safe place. Like you mm-hmm. entered and you immediately feel welcome and comforted. Yeah. It's like a little home. Mm-hmm. So when you're a busy bean, you can come in and relax. Mm hmm. Um, and I, I vote yes to food because I like food personally. And we can have sugar moss, so we don't even have to worry about that part. Yeah, we love sugar moss. <laughs> we love food. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to figure out like a way to make like little sandwiches or something. Like we could p- focus on like tea party styles. So we have like petit fours or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say like we could have specific days where it's like this Friday afternoon and into evening is a tea party 
event like it's open like it's not a private event but like the theme is where like i've seen where places deck their their interior out like alice in wonderland and then Mm -hmm. they have like the courses and all that kind of stuff oh that sounds awesome Mm mm-hmm i like it yeah and then um that leads right into step five which is to start designing a layout okay and this isn't gonna be super actually you know what no we're gonna shuffle this around a little bit hold on because some sources did the layout first but logically now that we're talking about it it makes more sense for step five to be to find your location yeah how can you design your layout if you don't know where you're gonna be exactly some people i think um you could do it either way so you could do that. You get an idea for what you want your layout to be. And based mm-hmm. on what you're looking for, you find a location that makes that work. Or you look around your local area to find a location that fits your needs and the demographic you're looking for. And then you design your layout based on that. Right. And keep in mind, if you're going franchise, that layout is probably going to be commercialized and you won't have to worry about that step. True. And location, because they might help you find a location. I don't know yes. how franchising works, so... They have legal teams and people who specifically research where the best place to put a business would be. Like okay. when Bucky's put one right where you exit from Myrtle Beach, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, have you seen 95 when Bucky's is popping? Because it's backed up. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're sitting there for a minute, but they stay busy. Mm-hmm. Um, So for our purposes today, step five will be to find your commercial space slash your ideal location. So when you're looking at places, you're going to want to consider demographics, you're going to want to consider your competition, and you're going to want to consider regulations. Because sometimes, even within like a city, different places will have different regulations and permits and things that you can and can't do. So Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you look into every possible um, authority that would be in that area. Right. And something else to consider specifically, do you want to cater more towards locals, tourists, or both? Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's tough because if you focus towards tourists, then you're clearly going to have like an on-season and an off-season. And that can be mm-hmm. really difficult as the shop owner because you've got to be prepared for the off-season. But if you're in a place that's not super tourist-driven, you've got to be able to maintain a local and regular customer clientele base. Yeah. Well, and um, when you're maintaining that local, that like it takes a long time to build up. So you're going to have to plan for a longer time before you start turning a profit. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have a busy season where you can save up a bunch of money from people constantly in and out. Right. Let's say based on our location, we both live in two very touristy towns. So let's mm-hmm. say that we would want to target towards both because we do yeah. have a fairly decent sized regular population to where it could be sustained so Mm -hmm. i think the best thing would be to focus on both with an emphasis on tourist during tourist season yeah and um it's seasonal but not tourist season we both live in places where there are schools and universities Mm -hmm. which is another demographic to that could be like a good local yeah we should have like a specific like college centered like focus group especially because we're looking at millennial gen z era Mm -hmm. so we should offer some things that focus towards them like a finals week special or something like that Mm -hmm. 
I would be down. This is like getting really specific. I would be down <laughs> for like finals week, depending on like staffing and stuff like that. If it's like longer hours. Yeah. Like people studying at 1030 at night where you, mm-hmm. you usually would close at like six or eight if you have an event kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would be down for that. Mm-hmm. And maybe we hire students and allow them to do study on the clock, given that you can get drinks out. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. It could be a, oh, actually, depending on what people want to do. So there's an uh, uh, organization that I've heard of but not joined called Toastmaster mm-hmm. that it's basically like you can sign up and it's a group that like you learn public speaking and they have specific guidelines of you give this kind of speech and about this kind of topic and da 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 That'd mm-hmm. be kind of cool if like we had something similar where it's like students that need to practice like presenting business plans or people that are giving a presentation but they're nervous and they want to practice it could like sign up to come give it to just a coffee shop of people that'd be kind of cool yeah do you think you in college would use that as a resource because you were a comm major if i felt like taking the time to do it yes but i was also like really comfortable with public speaking so i i think anytime i had a speech i think I, i said it out loud to myself once and then i just went and did it nice yeah i would not even practice for fear of saying something stupid to myself (laughs) (laughs) fair i have really bad social anxiety which is hilarious that we have a podcast but i mean i'm just talking to you so it's a lot easier if i was to talk to a bunch of random people i like i get really bad stage fright (laughs) (laughs) i have like I revert back to as soon as I make a mistake, like that just becomes part of my personality on on a quote unquote stage, you know, mm-hmm. like in front of people. So it's like now I'm using that to make people laugh and it ma- it breaks the tension. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so something else you want to think about when you're looking at location. We kind of talked about earlier, like foot traffic versus like people driving by. And I believe it was Crimson Cup that recommended this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Um, so a good way to estimate estimate uh, your traffic is to sit near the location you're looking at during peak hours. So if you're wanting to get more um, car traffic, they recommended that you watch people driving by and you mm-hmm. estimate that about 1.5% of the cars that drive by will stop if there were if there was a coffee shop there. Okay. And for foot traffic and pedestrians, like, you know, cyclists and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, that goes up to 5%. So you can sit there, you know, from like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., say, and then you just keep track of everybody. And then you could estimate about how many people would stop from cars and how many pedestrians would stop. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they recommended if you use an average price for a cup of coffee of $4, then you would be able to estimate your sales for that period of time. Right. And obviously, if you do it more, you'll get a better idea. But... Mm -hmm. It's better than going in blind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, something else that I actually just personally added, where will people park? Because parking is such a pain. <laughs> so. That always stresses me out. And specifically yeah. here where I live, parking is like hit or miss, depending on mm-hmm. where you are. I mean, drive throughs are super convenient. I don't particularly want to drive through though. <laughs> right. And like... I will determine whether or not I'm going somewhere based on whether or not I know it will be easy to park there. Right. Like Rustic Roast has a big parking lot next to them. So I will go there whenever I feel like going out. But there are other places that 
you have to hope you can get like a parallel parking spot or else you're walking half a mile mm-hmm. and like I don't always feel like doing that. Right. And there's a coffee shop that's not all the way downtown, but it's headed towards downtown, that it's in the middle mm-hmm. of like a big foot traffic area. And I know that if I don't get there at a certain time or if I just hit it wrong, I'm not going to find parking and it's going to be stressful to get to the coffee shop and then I'm not going to want to focus when I'm at the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find somewhere with good parking. Yeah, I think that's a great point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, another point uh, that somebody brought up, one of the sources was talking about for your inventory. Do you want, if you're using a local supplier, do you want to pick a location that's close to that local supplier? Well, I mean, that'd be really convenient to the supplier and to you. But I mean, mm-hmm. ideally, that would be great. But maybe logistically, it, it's not super likely. But right. it, if it's possible, you could choose it based on that. And if yeah. they're there, then maybe that means that it's kind of affordable to be there. Right. And it would mean, too, like, you could do more partnership kind of stuff with them. So mm-hmm. not, like, necessarily right next to them, but, like, the difference of whether you're 15 minutes away or an hour and a half away, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and then just some specific things about the interior of your location is what size kitchen do you want for what you're looking for? Like if you're looking to just serve coffee, then you don't necessarily need a ton of space. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're looking for to do a full fledged menu of food, you're going to need somewhere to cook that food. And on the same lines, you're going to want to make sure the location you're looking at has the right water, gas, et cetera, set up for what you're looking for so that you don't have to pay somebody to fix that. Right. So I think for mm-hmm. our purposes, we wouldn't be doing a ton of, like, cooking on site. It would be mostly, like, finger foods and quick heat up. So maybe, like, a prep kitchen versus a full-fledged working kitchen. Right. Like, I think anything hot that we might want to serve would probably work in a toaster oven kind of thing. Yes. Not, like, not like residential toaster oven, more a commercial one. But, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, mm-hmm. a full setup. Something to where the FDA doesn't have to get super involved in what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Crimson Cup actually brought up something that I didn't think about. Like a lot of the sources talked about to consider build outs as an option, too, if you're starting from scratch, because you can alter the structure of an interior of the building Mm -hmm. or exterior, depending on where you are and what kind of permits you want to have to get. Um, But Crimson Cup pointed out that depending on who you're working with as a contractor and if you're leasing, some contractors would be willing to work with you to negotiate with the owner to have the owner contribute to the improvements you're making to the building. So it's not all on you financially. True. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, I just thought of a really weirdly shaped building that would be kind of cool. Imagine okay. a giant to-go coffee cup. And that's Ooh. the shape of your building. <laughs> Imagine a giant to-go coffee cup that's at least three floors tall. And on the inside, it looks like a beehive. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. If it's just like a coffee shop with like a little bee on it and then you mm-hmm. have the different. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's really cute. <laughs> um, also, in general, Crimson Cup, I think it was Crimson Cup and a couple other sources like compiled this. Um, if you're wanting to build a coffee house and a drive through, you're going to want to look for up to like 1500 square feet on average. Mm hmm. If you're looking for somewhere that people are just going to walk in and go, depending on how much seating you want to have and what kind of food you're offering, you could do anywhere from 300 to 1,800 square feet. Wow. And if you're just doing a drive through you only need 100 to 300 square feet on average. That's smaller than your average studio. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's basically just the kitchen 
with a window. Yeah, that's fair. So that's crazy. I didn't realize we could yeah. operate on such a small level. What if we started mm-hmm. as a drive-through and eventually opened up a coffee shop? You could. We, we, you would want to start with a bigger venue. Oh, okay. Unless you unless you think that you could keep your demographic if you moved locations. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Well, you could move locations or you could plan to budget to build additional like space in the building, but that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you find your location, you want to start nailing down what your layout's going to look like. Um, so this part is a little self-explanatory, but you should consider what the experience of your coffee shop will be like for everybody involved. So mm-hmm. customers, employees making the coffee, employees talking to customers and taking orders, how much of a pain it's going to be to clean it, what kind of restroom situation you want to offer, and you want to make sure that you're also accounting for office space for all your businessy side of running a business. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining a very like open aired and like ac- like accessible to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining like. Well, first of all, we haven't explicitly said, do we want to offer a drive-through? This is true. I haven't decided. <laughs> I was leaning towards yes because it doesn't take a lot of extra like layout stuff other than making sure you have somewhere for the, the drive through to go. And I think it could be a cool little alt- alternate of like busy bean in that you can come and relax here if you are busy bean. Mm-hmm. But if you're currently busy beaning, you can just zip through the drive through and get your coffee and go to work. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm also picturing like, because we're going like heavy on the bee theme of mm-hmm. like Walt Disney world levels of decoration and like commitment to the theme. It's like, it's hard to explain. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I know. It's like, like, like going to, not to this level of Disney World, but how when you walk into Disney World, everything looks aesthetically pleasing. Every, like there is no, oh, I can see the seams for the most part. Like everything I looks gotcha. like it's meant to be that way. It smells like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. The people are talking like with the right vocabulary. Like if you go to certain rides, if it's a scary ride, people, like the staff doesn't smile. Right. Like, that kind of level of detail. And, like, the little things, like, not calling it a drive through but calling it, like, the Busy Bean Expressway or something like that. Like, <laughs> theme every little part of it as much as you can, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, that kind of stuff. But um, one of the sources, B-Plans, uh, recommended using a program called Autodesk and a couple other ones. But Autodesk Home Styler is a digital uh, floor plan designer that's free. And I thought that might be fun. Maybe we'll do that in like a mini episode or something or like we'll just do it for fun and then post it Mm because I feel like we could get lost in that for a hot minute. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it helps you visualize like where you're going to put everything. That's cool. Um, And they also pointed out, don't forget to design the exterior. (laughs) (laughs) It can get really exciting to do the inside and like, oh, your tables and your couches and all this kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. like you should make the exterior cute, too. (laughs) It's got to be yellow. Yeah. Actually, it's either yellow or covered in flowers for pollinators, like legitimately attracting bees. Not well. Oh, that's kind of cool. We might need to be careful with that because some people are scared of bees. We have to try to make it so that they're as cute as possible. Mm hmm. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hi. Funny seeing you here. Uh, As I mentioned briefly earlier, 
this is obvious well and as you see in the title this is obviously part one of two parts maybe three i don't know yet we haven't finished recording it um it was not originally intended to be so uh so we didn't actually record an outro either uh so i'm here to fill in for this lovely chaotic episode if we ever opened a coffee shop it would be equally chaotic i feel uh but that's part of the fun you know um so any hoodle, thank you so much for listening to part one. Part two will be out in two weeks. We look forward to seeing you then. As always, all of our research sources and our, well, we didn't do a quiz this time, but we will have a quiz next time. You'll have to tune in to hear that. Uh, all of our research sources are going to be in the show notes and you should follow us on social media. We are on the TikToks, the Facebook and the Instagram at WeBrewGood. Or you could just reach out to us directly at webrewgood at gmail.com. And of course, you are listening to our podcast somewhere. But if you are looking for another source or if you want to introduce it to somebody, you can find our podcast at webrewgood.com or on Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, I believe we are on Amazon now. Working on Pandora, working on we're on iHeartRadio, going to be working on YouTube. We're all over the place. Um, but if you want to figure out something, go to webrewgood.com and that will direct you to wherever your little heart desires. Um, and I, you know, I actually used to have a guinea pig. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast ever. Her name was Chewy uh, because get this, she chewed on stuff um, and, <laughs> and she made a lot of cute squeaking noises while she did it. She loved those salt disc things. She just tore through them. Uh, and yeah, so that was fun. Chewy lived with a lot of families in our house, in our, a lot of households in our family, rather. Um, she had a good long life with a lot of people who loved her. And, uh, yeah, I guess you could say she really encouraged us all to stay, stay brutal. Okay, bye. <laughs>